Hello and welcome to Views from the Market, Mid-Market Private Equity and M&A in Canada. My name is Mario Negro and I'm a partner in the Private Equity and M&A Group at Steichmanelli. For today's podcast, I'd like to welcome Brandon Lalone. Brandon is with Frontwell Capital and he focuses on deal originations. Brandon, welcome and thank you for joining us. Mario, thank you for having me on. Brandon, we always start talking a little bit about our guests and about what they're working on, where they're from. And Frontwell is new to the marketplace, super interesting story. And maybe start a little bit about you and a little bit about Frontwell, because we'd love to learn more about what you do at Frontwell. For sure. Thanks, Mario. So a little bit about myself, working in private debt now with Frontwell for a little bit over a year and a half, covering originations for Canada. Prior to that, I was with TD for several years in the commercial banking group, doing various forms of lending from operating credit, commercial mortgages, equipment financing, and cash flow lending, and then taking those skills over to what we're doing now, where we're primarily focusing on the ABL piece and working capital and hard asset financing solutions. Brandon, maybe a little bit about the history of Frontwell, because it is a unique story and it's a unique player in our marketplace. Absolutely. So Frontwell started off about almost three years ago now primarily active in the market for the last couple of years. And so we're a fund of about 350 million US dollars of committed capital. And it comes from a private equity group and a family office. With those funds, what we look to do in our niche of the debt market are those private credit asset-based lending or ABL opportunities, which are better defined as companies looking for working capital solutions that can't traditionally find them through the banking group. One, maybe because the liquidity is too tight in a business, or they're not going to meet the bank covenants, or they're growing at a rate where the working capital cash burn exceeds what the bank or a traditional lender may be comfortable with. But at the end of the day, you have a good business. It's well-managed. They're either scaling really quickly where private credit might be a solution to assist in that process, or they're executing a turnaround from some event that's happened, maybe the loss of a major customer or some evolving themes too right now, inflationary pressures on profit margins that are hurting their ability to meet covenants or um, other supply chain issues, which we seem to be working through a lot now across the market. I've been seeing Frontwell a lot lately, which is a good sign for you, I guess, in terms of clients who are struggling. And I find you kind of come into situations where the Canadian banks are pulling back and Frontwell kind of can step up and really create a creative solution. I wonder if you could tell us a bit about, you know, where you would say your sweet spot is in terms of where you look at an opportunity and go, with that one fits. Because I find you guys are pretty creative and you're out there and you're finding ways to kind of help in these unique situations where, like you said, might not necessarily be distressed, but there might be some issues that have to be managed and, you know, be your own alternative to insolvency or an alternative to an m and process or an alternative to somebody who has to transact because the bank is pushing on a company. You hit the nail on the head there. What we look to do is to create that opportunity of creative financing solutions for companies that are going through some sort of a transition. Like I alluded to earlier, some sort of event that took place or they're in a growth stage in that capital intensive type business where they need to get that additional stretch or a creative solution that's more tailored for whatever it is that they're currently on the trajectory or plan that they want to execute. And so our sweet spot really is, we'll go as low as $5 million on a credit facility and up to 50 million beyond which we're very open to syndicating. And even depending on the deal, we may syndicate a smaller transaction as well, just depending on the nature of that transaction. How we participate in those deals is from a working capital side, looking at receivables and inventory, and from a term lending perspective, owner-occupied commercial real estate and equipment. And we're usually involved on a committed basis for about one to five years. And we monitor our portfolio companies, not necessarily through traditional covenants, but with more focus on the borrowing base 
which is a calculation of really what the asset value is that we're lending against or the various assets that we're lending against in a business. And that gives us the flexibility to accommodate those either extenuating circumstances or whatever plan it is that we're trying to create a financing structure to how I like to put it is not trying to make it fit in a box, but build the box around a deal if there's a deal there. How busy are you guys? What are you working on? What are you doing out there? I mean, I see you out there, so I think you're busy, but I gonna let you answer that question. Yeah, you usually see me out there throughout the weekend. Basically, that's what I'm supposed to do for front. Well, in terms of how busy we've been, I would say we've really been seeing it pick up. If you look at the way the economy is evolving, our strength is in situations where banks are becoming a lot more cautious. The economy seems to be going to a bit more of a precarious environment. Now, if you look at where the GDP numbers that came out lately, GDP has been performing far stronger than we anticipated. Unemployment stays low. And although inflation is normalizing, core inflation still seems to be quite sticky and presents a possible challenge in terms of getting that down to a more manageable level in the near future. I know the Bank of Canada is targeting 2%. So when tying all that together, if you look at it a little bit over a year ago, I would say it was a relatively quieter environment. Banks were very aggressive, very out there in the market, trying to do whatever deals they could. There was a ton of liquidity. As rates go up, the central bank's balance sheet starts to shrink a bit. We're seeing that reduction in liquidity in the market. We're seeing that cost of capital becoming more expensive and private debt starting to fill a little bit more of that gap. And that's exactly the themes that we have been seeing, whether it's companies that are in a growth stage or companies that are trying to execute some sort of a turnaround or some sort of a plan to improve the business. Whereas banks may have been very aggressive before in that, they're now taking a more cautious approach. And that's really creating room for us to step in there and see if we can provide a credit solution for them. You know, what I really like about Frontwell is we don't have a lot of private debt type solutions in Canada. Having another player is great for all of us. I'm curious in terms of the nature of the deals that you invest in, other industries, other sectors, and also what you're seeing in terms of sectors and industries where you're finding opportunities. Is there places you focus on from a sector industry perspective? And from a private debt perspective, they'll work well with private debt. Because I know it tends to be asset-based, so that has its own dimension, unique characteristics. But wanting to get a sense of you, both industries you like and then industries you see. Right. That's a great question, Mario. And you're absolutely right, too, to say that the Canadian market is underserved from a financing perspective. You look at the U.S. market, very robust, many various different forms of financing, whether it's ABL, MES, private credit, cash flow lending, all different types of financing you can find in the U.S., Canada still has some ways to go and it's traditionally still dominated by the major banks. So we see a ton of opportunity in Canada, especially from an ABL perspective. And we are willing to work with different partners as well. We think NES has a role to play in Canada as well. And so there are situations we will look to say, hey, if there's that additional stretch piece where there's a subordinated lender that wants to go in there and provide that additional liquidity, that's something up front we're very used to and we have no issue working with. On the second part of that question with what sectors that we look for, traditional economy sectors, you're looking at consumer packaged goods, food and beverage, retail, some new economy stuff like e-commerce, some inventory financing, or if they have some warehousing facilities that they can refinance or distribution and logistics or our core areas where we see the most activity. There are some other industries as well that might be CapEx heavy with well-understood assets that you can provide an ABL facility for. And industries we don't play in, typically are construction, it's very difficult to lend in there, not just the holdbacks, but there are priority liens that may affect receivables or whatnot. 
in progress billings that can make it very difficult to provide working capital solutions into that space. And another point worth noting is our ESG policy, environmental social governance. So when we look at a deal, we want to assess what's maybe the carbon impact of this, or is it a business that focuses on having a positive environmental or social impact that may be something we really want to lend into, especially if it's a Canadian-based operation and it's got a very positive future there and we want to support that. But the other side of our ESG policy are industries that we tend to stay away from because of the carbon impact or the social impact. Things such as oil and gas may be tough for us, something very commodity-driven. There's some volatility commodity price there, which adds another element of risk. Drilling is very difficult for us to play, and mining can be difficult for us too. In other areas of the economy or evolving sectors, I should say, like cannabis and crypto, are ones that we're just not as active in. When you look at what you're seeing now, Brandon, what would you say is the sectors that are the hottest for your product offering? The hottest sectors right now that we've seen would be consumer packaged goods, food and beverage, and distribution type business. Those have been the most active and where we've seen the most traction over the last few months. Yeah, and is the distribution, I'm guessing, related to some of the hangovers from the supply chain issues that you're trying to solve a problem? (laughs) Hangover from the supply chain issues is a good way to put it. Absolutely. You're looking at situations where trying to catch up, normalize operations, adjust cost efficiencies. And when you're in those situations, you might not be hitting bank covenants or you may be looking for additional liquidity and the banks just aren't in the game of providing that. And that creates a good space for us to come in there and act as a partner to help them navigate through that. One of the things I really like about the private debt solution, particularly from what you're pretty flexible in terms of your role in the capital structure. Maybe walk us a bit through that because you don't necessarily need to be senior. You're happy to work in a capital structure that's got obviously other lenders and maybe talk a bit about that because that's what part of what makes you. And frankly, that's what we need more than our marketplace. That's why I like to see more private debt providers is that what you add to the ability to create a capital structure that's flexible and allows for just some different options when it comes to lending particularly. For sure. We have a relatively flexible position or view when it comes to the capital structure and where we fit in that. On a standalone basis, or if we become the primary lender involved in the deal, since we're providing working capital solutions as our primary focus, we like to come in and be that senior secure position, have that first position GSX. So we have that full, essentially replacing what your bank would be, but we're acting as that transitionary bank lender. And other situations where we fall into the capital stack, maybe through what's called a file first and last out, we partner with another senior lender, which would likely be a bank where we can look at the working capital and we see that the working capital quality is very good. And the bank's capped out in terms of what their view is of the valuation of whether it's how much they want to margin on the receivables or the inventory. And we can provide a little bit of an additional stretch piece on top. So we're both collateralized, but in the payout waterfall, in the worst case scenario, the bank gets out first. We'd also look at syndicator agents with other ABL, private ABL groups. And as I mentioned earlier, too, is working with mezzanine lenders or subordinated debt lenders, where we come in as a senior capital provider, providing the initial amount of working capital financing, the revolver, the line of credit, and maybe some term as well against equipment or owner-occupied commercial real estate, and have that subordinated lender come in for that maybe additional turn on the cash flows in business, that additional turn on the EBITDA, that stretch piece that may help get the additional liquidity into the business to help them execute on whatever plan or objective that may be. I want to spend a little time, Brandon, talking about where you think this market's going, because you kind of hit on it already, which is economy still looks somewhat strong. Inflation's still a little high. At the same time, we're seeing more distressed, more companies who are having a hard time getting financing or refinancing. 
So it's an interesting market, and particularly for you. So what are your sense of where you think this market's going from where you sit and the opportunities for you as this market starts to evolve? That's a really good question. And funny enough, going back in university, I studied economics, did graduate studies in economics. And one thing you always hear in the halls of the economic department is that conversation around forecasting. Trying to forecast where the economy is going to go is like trying to give direction to a driver, but you're looking at the rear view window. So it's very difficult to do, but you try to see what those indicators are of where things may lead. And so some of these key indicators right now is where's inflation going? We see that there's some stickiness there. We see that unemployment still very low. And you see that the consumer is really resilient. There is a reduction. If you look at numbers, there's a reduction in savings. Credit utilization is going up, personal consumer credit. But the consumer is still out there. And it seems that we have this extended period of pent-up demand where people want to get out. They still want to go to restaurants. They still want to travel. Even airlines are coming out readjusting what their forecast is. They think people are going to be traveling a lot this summer. So the economy still seems to be quite robust. Does that mean that we need to keep winding down the central bank's balance sheet and keep raising rates to manage that and reset those expectations to stop inflation from rearing back up again, which there's some indications that that may happen? Or do we wait to see how things continue to play out and have rates gone high enough right now to essentially taper the consumer drive to keep spending or excessive investment or excessive business spending or investment? Sometimes the thing about rates and winding down the balance sheet is that it takes several months or several quarters to play out. We're starting to see the initial impacts from the initial rate hikes as the headline inflation numbers pulled back down. But whether that's enough is yet to be determined. Our view is proceeding with caution. The objective of the central bank is to have a bit of a soft landing to cool things off a little bit, stabilize the economy because inflation is the core concern right now. But historically, the central banks either overshot it or undershot it. And it creates a process that's more drawn out and extends the cycle. So it's very difficult to see where that's going to go. But we do ultimately see pressure on the economy. And there's going to be a continued need for alternative options where companies might not have that same flexibility that they were getting from the banks a few years ago. So from our perspective, we do see it continuing to get busier if things stay on the trajectory that they are on. Are you planning for a busy 23-24, like in terms of where you guys are kind of setting up the deal opportunities in space? Is the pipeline strong? The volume on the pipeline is as strong as it has ever really been from the rate hikes. You know, the supply chain with the inventory and getting what you need was one thing. But now inflation and supply chain still seems to be the issue. Input costs are still up. Labor costs are still up. And passing on those costs are very difficult, especially if you're dealing with these blue chip companies as your end customers. It takes time to get price increases through and you might not get all the price increase you need. So you have margin compression. So we see companies experiencing liquidity challenges and that's opened up more room for us to step in and have those negotiations, have those conversations on how we can provide a credit solution. And there's other companies where traditionally maybe they were fetching high valuation. So it was very easy to raise some equity, get some investors involved to get liquidity where you needed it. Or the banks lending aggressively because things seemed really robust and on the up and up in the economy. But now we're starting to go a bit sideways and those companies still achieving great levels of growth might not have as much access to the traditional form of capital that they once could get. And they're now looking at private debt options to see if they can get that liquidity that they need through there. So those are the two themes we see evolving on our pipeline. And it's been creating a fair amount of opportunity for us more than what we've been seeing before, especially companies that are experiencing challenges are acting a little bit more proactive now and sooner, whereas before they were taking a wait and see approach.
which could catch them off guard if last minute they ran too tight in liquidity and it becomes difficult to provide a solution at that point. Obviously, Provo's been around for a few years, but do you think we'll see, because of the nature of where this market's going, do you think we'll see more front wells? Do you think we'll see more private debt providers in our marketplace? It tends to be that we haven't had many. And I wonder if this is an environment you would say, hey, look, this could be your time. (laughs) This could be front well, you you know, this could be a private debt provider's time. Obviously, your answer might be, I don't want to see any more. I'd like it all for myself, but we could use more private debt providers. Is the market such that we'll start seeing more of them? Well, to answer that question, it's good to look south of the border. Look at the U.S. The private credit market is very robust. Even if you look at private equity, the vast majority of private equity deals done in the U.S. are done by private credit groups, whereas in Canada, it's the exact opposite. So the banks in Canada, it's an oligopoly. And so they do have a lot of control of the market and they carry a lot of their deals on their balance sheet, which means they can be very flexible with how they structure their credit rather than packaging them off through various securities. So Canadian banks do dominate the market, which means it's probably of a slower adjustment, I would say, for private credit to come in and take up more of that. What you really need is for more players to get involved. And even for us who really capture more of the market over time is an economy in which, you know, risk and reward is a little bit more balanced out. You've had quite a good run in Canada where companies could take on quite a bit of leverage, quite a bit of debt. You could handle that quite well. And then you have COVID that happened, which provided an additional boost of liquidity into the market. So now that that's all starting to pull back, it takes time to see how that picture is going to evolve. And so if the banks continue to act more and more conservative and pull back a little bit or more so in the market, that will create more room for private credit. At the end of the day, There is a gap to fill in Canada that hasn't been filled for quite some time, whether that's private credit ABL or some subordinated debt or MES debt or various other forms of private credit solutions for cash flow lending as well. There's a need there. How fast that segment of the debt market's going to grow really depends on how the economy evolves from this point. If you go back into a robust economy where the banks are then back out to really lending aggressively, that could taper the growth of the private credit market and reduce the need for it. But if the economy stays sideways, or if the economy starts to dip, then you'll really start to see robust growth in the Canadian private credit market. Brandon, I wanna thank you for joining us. It's been great to hear about your story, Frontwell story. And I think it's awesome to have a Frontwell in the marketplace. We need more of them. So thank you for telling us a little bit about Frontwell. Thank you for telling us a little bit about private debt and the role that it plays in our market and the role it could play. Appreciate it. So thank you for joining us. Thanks again for having me on, Mario. It was a pleasure.